0: Welcome to the St. George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk.
1: 2 Timothy 3, verses 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work.
0: That's great, thank you, Hannah. Shall we pray together? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this opportunity to hear from you through it. And so God, I pray that as we do that together now, you would give us open eyes and open ears to see and hear what it is that you're saying to us. Be with us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, good evening, everybody. It is lovely to see you all. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Richard. I'm the curer at Holy Trinity. Uh, Lane, down the road in town, and I'm also based on the team here at St. George's. Um, I should say at the start of this talk that about a minute before this service I was talking to somebody and my voice completely disappeared. Um, as you can tell, it has come back. Um, thank you very much. Um, it would have been worrying if you cheered when I said it had gone. That would have been, um, yeah. no, The aim is that it remains for the duration of the talk, but we'll see how we... Get on. Um, And this evening is um, exciting because we're starting a new talk series together as a church. We're doing it here in church in the main uh, congregation and other groups will be doing it as well. Youth will be exploring it throughout the the term as well. And we're looking at this idea of hearing from God together. And what I'm going to do as we start this series is do something that I wouldn't normally do if I was starting a series. Normally I'd say what the series is and then just get stuck into the passage for the evening. What I want to do is spend a few minutes exploring the title of the talk series. Now, as I say, I wouldn't normally do that, but I want to do that tonight because I think by exploring the title of the series, it just kind of sets us up um, for what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. And the reason why I think that this title does that is because hearing from God together, in one sense, it might sound just like any other phrase that we might use. But it's actually based on a couple of really key assumptions that are really important for this series and are also really countercultural to the world around us so we'll take a couple of minutes to just dig into the title of the series and then we'll get stuck into the actual passage that we're going to explore together so first of all hearing from God together the first assumption that I think this is based on is the fact that God can be heard from God is a God that can be heard from. Now, in and of itself, that might not sound like much if you're someone who's used to, to coming to church, but I ask you to just think about where you spend most of your weeks, whether it's at work, uh, with family, with friends. I think about as I'm you know, on the walk from here down to Holy Trinity, for example, as I want to get into conversations with people or what people I talk to maybe at the gym, most people aren't even on board with the fact that there is a God Never mind the fact that the God that they don't think there is can be heard from, if that makes sense. Most people nowadays in the bit of the world that we live in aren't on board with the fact that there's a God. That's a step too far. And yet we're saying not only that, but that the God that we believe in, that Christians believe in, the God of the Bible is one that can be heard from. Now that's important because that tells us some things about that God. First of all, it tells us that God is living and he's active. If we can hear from God, that means that he's not tapped out, passive, he's engaged, he's active in the world. If he's breaking in and if we can hear from him, that means that he's living and active. It also means that he's relational. Because if we can hear from him, if he speaks to us and wants to hear from us, that tells us about a God who is relational. So, hearing from God, there's all sorts of stuff packed into that assumption. It means that we're talking about a God that is real, that is living, that is active, that is relational. So that's the first assumption that's built in to what we're talking about when we do this series. And the second thing is um, hearing from God together. The second assumption is that hearing from God is a communal activity. Now, there's plenty of places, things you could read or listen to or watch that might talk about um, the, the, the West, they might term it, or, or the developed world, the, the, the bit of the world where we live. And may might talk about how that part of the world, this part of the world, um, is particularly individualised or atomized, or more of an individualised society. Now, I was trying to think of a way of um, illustrating that um, and my mind quite naturally went to a few weeks ago when I was trying to buy myself a new coffee cup um, where else would it go to than that, I was trying to get myself um, a nice coffee cup, a keep cup that I could take um, and get my coffees made and put in there so I'm not taking a new, a new cup each time um, and I was absolutely staggered to see that not only were there more options of coffee cups than you could possibly ever need to choose from just as standard you can then also customize each individual one of those. So you can choose your own color palette. Now, if I'm colorblind, so that doesn't help me, but for people who are into colors, that's cool, I imagine. Um, you can pick your own color palette. And as well as that, you can also get your initials engraved on it. So um, you can be absolutely certain that this cup belongs to you and absolutely nobody else. Um, it's all yours. Um, Clearly, now we could say, well, that's fine, that's just a coffee cup, it doesn't mean anything, and I think that might probably be true. But if we were of a mind to really dig into the theology of the coffee cup, we might be able to engage with that and think about the fact that clearly the, 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 the makers of this coffee cup have realised that actually we really like things that are just for us and all about us and really pick us out and signify that we're the one and what's, what's about us is not the same as everybody else. There could be something in that. And actually, just while we're talking about um, drink receptacles, um, we had a notice earlier about coffee cups. Um, Some of you have very kindly in the past brought your own water bottles or coffee cups with you, which is very good. You've then proceeded to leave them here when you've gone home. So there's actually lost property at the back. So as you walk out, um, if there's some bottles or cups that belong to you, do feel free to take them with you. Um, that is one bit where you can just take responsibility for yourself and sort yourself out um, and take your cup home with you. Um, all of that is to say that I think the idea of together is something that is increasingly countercultural. The idea that we're tied to one another, that we're expected to do things with one another, I think is increasingly countercultural. So as we start this series, God is a God that can be heard from and we're to do it together. That's the bedrock. Everything else builds on those assumptions. That's the bedrock that we are building on over the next few weeks. And so then specifically to get to the passage that I'm talking about, I'm talking about hearing from God together through Scripture. So I'm talking about hearing to God together through Scripture or through the Bible. Um, It would be really good given this series but also just generally if you have a physical Bible with you to start bringing it each week Um, we can dig into that. I know it appears on the screen um, and I know that it appears on your screens um, but the physical Bibles don't have all sorts of notifications that appear and distract you and do all sorts of other stuff. So if you have a physical Bible that isn't ginormous and you're able to bring it along with you, I think that would be a good thing to do um, as we look through this series and any other series that we do. But as we get stuck into this idea of hearing from God together through Scripture, on the next slide, there should be a few different pictures um, of how we might think or what we might think of when we think of hearing from God through Scripture. That's not an exhaustive list. I'm sure there are other ways of doing it. Um, as you can see, there's, there's the, the physical Bible in the top left corner. Um, if you're anything like me, you've been brought up on the idea of a quiet time. Typically in the morning, first thing, where you wake up, open your Bible, and it's, it's, it's me and God. First thing in the morning, hearing from God through Scripture. I'm all for that, by the way. Big fan of that. I'm not about to tell you to not do that. Um, but that's one way in which people might think when we think of hearing from God through Scripture. We then got um, a phone there. We got headphones. The idea that you can, uh, you can listen to the Bible, maybe as you drive somewhere, as you're walking, as you're running. And whatever it is that you do when you listen. So you can do it on the go. Um, or maybe even podcasts about theology or commentaries on the Bible. There's all sorts of resources out there that are available. So that might be another thing that people think of. Um, we've also got Josh Moore there, bottom right corner, um, giving a sermon. here. stood almost exactly where I am. Um, or maybe I'm stood where he is, who knows. Um, but that's, a, that, that's another way in which we might... Think, or what we might think of when we hear of um, hearing from God together through Scripture. Now, a lot of these ways are really good. I'm for all of these. As I said, I'm not about to tell you to stop doing any one of those things. And I would tell you, if you weren't doing at least one of them, to start doing at least one of them. So I'm all for them. But it is just worth noting, isn't it, that with the exception of the sermon, where there's a number of us here together, with the exception of the sermon, I think they all lean in the direction of, it's me and God doing our thing and we don't really need anybody else. It's all about the individualized, atomized me. It's worth noting, you know, we're talking about, I'm talking about how hearing from God together might be weird today. For almost all of church history, it was the other way around. Hearing from God together was normal, and the me and God bit atomized me on my own, doing it just me. That was weird. In the context of the first century, when the Bible was written, literacy rates were so much lower than they are today. So most people couldn't read fluently enough to read a passage of scripture in front of them. And even if they could, they weren't in a world, where they could hit buy now um, on Amazon or wherever you get your books, And, and, and a book appears the next day. There were very few books or scrolls and there were even fewer people who could read them effectively. So what that meant was, someone would read it, everyone else would listen. and They might say, what about this, what about that, what does that mean? Can you just go back to that bit before, I didn't quite catch that bit. It would be much more interactive, the together was a given then. It switched. And so when we're talking about hearing from God together through scripture, that's how it's almost been. or That's how it's been for almost all of church history. And it's in this kind of context, it's with those kinds of assumptions in place that our passage from this evening was written. So we're going to explore, we're going to get to the passage now. I told you we'd get there in the end. Um, and our passage, um, I think it shows us two Things. I think it shows firstly the importance of relationship, and I think it shows us the importance of Scripture. So firstly, the importance of relationship. Now as I was thinking um, about this, my mind was taken back to when I used to be a primary school teacher. Some of you will know I used to be a primary school teacher. Um, and the thing about being a primary school teacher is um, you teach everything, Um, I came to realise pretty quickly it doesn't matter all that much if you don't know anything about the thing you're teaching. You just run with it and see. I I used to coordinate modern foreign languages in the church, in the church, in the school um, that I taught in. Um, I got a B in GCSE French, and that's what um, qualified me, apparently, to teach French. Um, So there was some pretty sketchy French being done in my classroom, but um, they had a nice time. So it was a Friday afternoon, so that's all that matters. But... um, (laughs) What happened was, I would teach math, and then I'd teach English, and then I'd teach science, and there would be stuff to teach. There'd be, you know, facts to learn, or things to understand, and I would teach a lesson, and at the end I'd say, well, what have you learned? The idea being that, whether it's through something that had been taught from the front or through the activities that they did, they'd learnt a piece of information or a thing that they could use that they didn't have when the lesson started. And I think when we think of learning and teaching, I think that's what we think of. But the fact is that isn't how learning works almost all the time. We might learn a particular thing, a piece of knowledge or something that we can use and run with. But I think what would have more likely been the case that was most effectively taught would have been the kind of thing where if you asked one of the kids I taught, They might have said, oh, the atmosphere in the classroom was something like this. Or something to the effect of, um, when I spoke to Mr Barber about this thing, he made me feel this way. Now I didn't teach them, I didn't say, look, now we're talking about this thing and at the end you're going to feel this way. It wasn't a thing that I taught them that I just kind of implanted into their brain. It was just something that came out of the relationship that was there. There was all sorts of stuff was learned that was never taught. All sorts of things happened and were picked up on that weren't directly inputted, but nevertheless came out. And when we're talking about um, the importance of relationship in 2 Timothy, I think we're seeing a similar thing happen. Now, in 2 Timothy, and particularly in this passage, there's a couple of different relationships that are referred to. The first is a mentor relationship. So Paul, um, the Apostle Paul, wrote wrote this letter to Timothy, and he was, Paul, mentored Timothy. And we can see, can't we, listen to how, um, in verses 11 and 12, that's where this uh, relationship was talked about. Listen to what's said. It said, you, so this is Paul talking to Timothy, it says, you however, know all about my teaching. So if we stop there, that's the kind of, here's the stuff that I'm gonna teach you about the Bible in this case. Here's the doctrine, here's the things you need to know. Here's the things that are coming from me intentionally to you in the hope that you will pick them up and run with them. But going on from that, you know all about my teaching and then listen, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. Paul didn't start out with a curriculum of how to teach Timothy about love. Timothy was just around as Paul did it. And it rubbed off on him. Paul didn't sit Timothy down and say, here's the seven steps to patience. And Timothy writes them down on whatever they wrote on in those days. He was with Paul as Paul demonstrated, patience. It was all done in the context of relationship. It was all done as they did life, side by side, walking together. Another example of a similar thing this time is family relationships. So at the start of 2 Timothy, Lois and Eunice are mentioned. They are Timothy's mother and grandmother. They're mentioned as people who brought Timothy up in the faith and then there the um, relationships that are referenced in verses 14 and 15 and you can see on the screen it says but as for you in what you have learnt and become convinced of so there's the stuff that we learn because you know those from whom you learned it the reason why Timothy can continue in the stuff he learned from his family members is because he knows them. It's not because they were particularly clever or came up with a good technique for imparting knowledge. It's because he knows them. I hope you're getting from this that deep, thick, real, committed, long-term relationship is a given when the Bible is talking about learning and teaching and growing in the faith. It's not an extra, it's a given. As I said, when it comes to Scripture, the together is the bit that's assumed. Both of these relationships clearly had elements of engagement with Scripture within them. Of course they did. They had things to teach and all that kind of stuff, but it was done within the context of relationships. And a lot of the modern ways of engaging with Scripture that were on that slide earlier don't have that. To talk a bit broader than just learning about Scripture for a moment, if you think of your favorite podcaster, uh, influencer, YouTuber, wherever you get your information and learn about the things that you like learning about, basically every single one of those will have the information that they can give you and none of the rest of it. They'll give you the information and none of the rest of it. Now, I'm not against that stuff, but it's not enough on its own. The Bible assumes that the relationship stuff is the context within which that stuff comes. Relationship is key, and it's assumed within Scripture. Scripture, the Bible, was always, always, always meant to be engaged with within the context of community. So that's first thing, the importance of relationship and so then after that it's really interesting isn't it it doesn't start with scripture and then saying by the way you're meant to do that in relationship it starts with relationship and foregrounds that and then says within that context you need to think about scripture so then we get on to in verses 16 and 17 the importance of scripture and as I said this is then raised in the context and the assumption of really deep committed um, firm relationship of different kinds And these verses then tell us something about the importance of Scripture. And it's interesting to note that Paul, writing to Timothy, could have done the whole relationship thing, really dial that in, get that set and, and nailed on. Once he'd done that, he could have talked about anything. He could have said, right, relationship's really important. And within that context, prayer. Within that context, giving. Within that context, X, Y, or Z. Now, I'm all for prayer. I'm all forgiving of course but it's interesting isn't it that of everything he could have gone for he's gone for scripture he's named it and he said all scripture is God breathed now if you're sat there thinking that sounds cool but I don't know what that means um, same <laughs> I think it's good but I don't fully know what it means and anyone who tells you, yeah, I know exactly what that is, they don't. They might have an idea, they might be able to get close. But it's hard to exactly know that the Greek um, that, that gives us the word God-breathed is a word that's very rarely used, both in the Bible and outside of it. And when you want to find out what an ancient word means, one of the ways you do that is by looking at how it was used and figuring it out from how it was used in other contexts. So if it's not been used very often. It's hard to figure out exactly what it means. So it's hard to exactly nail down. We don't know whether it was God-breathed in the sense that God-breathed it in at the point of writing. We don't know whether it's God-breathed in the sense that it's God's breath coming out when we read it. I guess it could be both, but we don't know. We also don't know exactly how it works That it's God-breathed when it's it's God-speaking and yet it's humans writing. And the humans, from there, Backgrounds and context, and different bits of knowledge and understanding, and all that kind of stuff, using that and bringing it to the writing, and yet God is speaking through them. We don't quite know how that stuff fits together, but we know that it says it's God breathed, and we know that it says that about scripture, and then it doesn't make that claim for anything else. So, functionally, what that's meant. Is it's meant that throughout church history, Christians have taken Scripture as God-breathed and they've said, right, well, we don't quite understand how. But this is more significant somehow. We're going to call this authoritative. We're going to say that whilst it's hard to understand, we're going to say this is our rule for life. This is the thing that we're going to pattern our life by. Because it's God-breathed. And while we don't know exactly what that means, we know enough to know that we're going to give priority to that over anything else. Broadly speaking, that's that. So it's God-breathed. So we consult other things, we go to other things, we get wisdom from different places, absolutely. But when all said and done, if we're followers of Jesus, it's the God-breathed scripture that we go to for the final word it's God-breathed and it has a purpose so once it's told us that it's God-breathed and it's useful it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training now that's not an exhaustive list it can also encourage us and uplift us there's all sorts of things that it does but that's some of the things that it does and the thing to notice about those words is they are communal as well. Sure, I can, if I read the Bible, I can be taught by the Bible. If I read the Bible, I can be corrected by the Bible. But quite often, when we're talking about teaching, we're talking about being taught by one another. When we're talking about correcting, we're talking about somebody correcting somebody else. There's a, there's a communal assumption within those words as well. And the thing to pay attention to with some of those is that can sound quite confrontational, can't it? If you're going to go and correct somebody, it sounds like you're going to say, well, they said this thing, but it's wrong because it says this in the Bible, so I'm going to tell them all the ways in which they need to be right. Now, there might be times when one-to-one you need to confront somebody and say, look, I've noticed this, and maybe we need to figure it out, and this is my basis in the Bible for why we need to do that. Um, But more often than not, what I've found is, if you've got a group of people sat around talking about Scripture, somebody can make an observation about something. I can feel really convicted by that, even though they're not aiming it at me. Just because what they've said connects with my life in a particular way, or things that like I'm going, I can be taught and rebuked and corrected without them pointing a finger and saying, "You need to figure this thing out, or you need to sort this out." It's just a function of talking about stuff with other people. So it, there could be it could be that there's times when we need to and call somebody out but quite often this is just a function of, of engaging with scripture in the kind of relationships that were being outlined earlier and then what's the end? we've seen that it's God breathed we've seen what it's useful for so that the servant of God that's you, that's me if you're a follower of Jesus that's, that's you so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work thoroughly equipped for every good work now you might be sat there saying well I don't understand how that works because I've got this deadline on Friday and there's nothing in the Bible that gives me all the answers I need to meet my deadline on Friday it's about they're about two completely different things and sure on that top level it might not give you all those answers But it will absolutely tell you the kind of person that you need to be as you move towards that deadline. And it will absolutely tell you about the God that you're serving as you're moving towards it. If if there's some kind of relational dispute, whether it's friendship, whether it's family, it may not give you all the answers of how to solve all these things in all these ways to get the result that you want, but it will absolutely tell you how you should think about and how you should view the person that you're clashing with if you're figuring out how you should use or spend your money it's not going to give you the, the, all the ways in which you need to divide up your income but it will talk to you about the kind of priorities that a follower of Jesus should have it comes in at the root level and in community talks to us about the, the, the first principles the fundamentals of what following Jesus means so it's talked to us about the importance of relationship scripture should always be engaged with in the context of community the importance of relationship and the importance of scripture it's God breathed I've got a friend who says if you want to hear God speak open up your Bible and read it out loud I like that and one of the main reasons I like it is because I think it's true it's God's word to us if you want to hear God speak, open up the Bible and read it out loud. So, as I close, then I'm re- I like theoretical stuff, but I realise that for a number of us, we're we'll like, "Well, okay, but so what? What difference does it make?" So, let me close with just a few examples. And this isn't this isn't prescriptive. These aren't the only ways in which you can do this. This is descriptive. These are some suggestions of how this might work out in practice but one um, this morning I I mentioned a friend of mine Etienne who comes to the morning service and he also comes to some stuff down at Holy Trinity Um, every so often um, he will send me a whatsapp in the morning of a verse of scripture and he's like I think this one might be for you today that's it and it's really, really encouraging and quite often challenging because the Bible can be and he doesn't know how it's connecting with a particular thing in my life, but I read it and I'm like, flip. like, That's landing. Really simple. Really simple. It relies on you being someone who is in the word, at least enough to take a picture of it. And then having the kind of relationships that means that you can send it to somebody and, and be like I think this might be for you but that's one way um, another way um, small groups if you're not if you come to St George's regularly and you're not in a small group I, um, I suggest um, strongly suggest that you, um, you join one not least because that's the primary way where in the life of the church we do some of this kind of stuff um, I joined my um, small group less than a year ago um, I love it have a great time when I go um, and there was one a few weeks back. Uh, we were looking at a psalm. I can't remember which one. Um, but we were reading the psalm, and the conversation eventually got to um, the people who've gone before us in our faith, who we need to honour, and name, and thank God for, because um, whether in big ways or small, whether because they've taught us something specific, or whether just because we've kind of um, some of their um, passion for Jesus has rubbed off, rubbed off on us, we need to be thankful. And we just went around the group and said, I'm thankful for this person, I'm thankful for that person. It was incredible to hear all the different ways in which people have been impacted by different people in their lives. Now, that's good in a number of ways. First, because with the whole communal thing, if I did that on my own, I'd, I'd name a person and then that'd be it. So it's good to, to go around the group and get a few more. But it's also good and, and part of the communal nature because I never ever would have thought of that if I was reading that psalm on my own. It needed somebody else to be like, this could apply in this way. Let's talk about it. We'll find one within prayer. So um, some of you will know um, my wife Jasmine. We try, uh, for those of you who are familiar with Compline, uh, the service of night prayer that the Church of England has, um, I'm a big fan, unapologetically so. I think it's great. Um, And within that service, there's literally like a, a verse or two of scripture each time. And um, when, as and when Jasmine and I are able to, before bed, we'll do that service together. And wh- whoever's leading the service, like the two of us, will we'll read the scripture, will think about it for a bit, and then we'll pray, and it'll inform our prayers. Dead easy. You could do that with a spouse, or a partner, or a friend, or do it in person, or on Zoom. Like Again, this isn't, you have to do it like this, it's just there are ways of doing this that doesn't involve you just re- restructuring your whole life around it. There's ways you can just add it in. I need to stop. <laughs> but as I do that, God is a God that we can hear from, that's why we're talking about this. If, if we couldn't hear from him, I wouldn't be talking about this. But we can, so we do. And we hear from him together. And that's not an an optional add-on. That's always been assumed in Scripture. There's different ways we can do it. The important thing is that we do it. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information visit stgs.org.uk.